Hey everyone, it's Nigel here, giving you a heads up that Tazzy and I are on a recording break for January before we return for season five of the Story X Story podcast. That means that over the next few weeks, you'll be hearing rewind episodes of our past live streams. It will be a chance to showcase some of the other shows that we do as part of My Matter in case you miss them. So you'll be hearing Tazzy and I talk video games in the Gamepad Report, as well as hearing interviews we've done with comic creators and cosplayers. So stay tuned for those discussions and we'll be back recording new episodes of the Story X Story podcast in February. Hello everyone and welcome to another live stream from Maya Mada. My name is Nigel and you are here today watching Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. This is the Maya Mada show where I speak to a different comic creator about their journey and what goes into creating the work that they create, that they put out into the world. Uh, so this is episode six of our series showcasing the human behind the art form. So every month I'm going to be speaking with a different comic creator. And today I am speaking with Erin Angiolini. Erin, welcome. I was going to say welcome back because we've spoken before, but actually it's the first time you've been on this particular show. We have a lot of shows, but welcome to this show. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it's lovely to see you again in this new, but not new, but also yeah. different, <laughs> but also kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. It's great it's to chat about comics again. Let's say that <laughs> it's a different overlay. So I feel if it's a if uh, on our Twitch, it's a different overlay. So it's a different show. Uh, so it's the first time on the show. But for those that have not seen or listened to our previous podcast episodes uh, or live stream, Erin is a comic colorist and illustrator. So we're going to get into that colorist part uh, in a moment. And their most recent publications include uh, Multiversity, Teen Justice, and Justice League. Last Ride for DC Comics. Yes, that DC Comics. Upcoming Enola Holmes graphic novel novel for Legendary Comics. Uh, and a lot of Doctor Who. I saw on your website, you've got like this photo and it's got like a stack of Doctor Who yeah, titles. That, that was from when I uh, we were launching the 13th Doctor uh, series, uh, the comic series, and which actually came out. Uh, we started working on it when the series hadn't been released yet. And that was when I received my package with the comps. And for the launch, they had 13 different variant covers and also like some shop specials and like special color. So I had this box full of so many different issue ones. And I thought I just I just have to do my like kind of like swimming <laughs> in comics shop. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice shot. Uh, that's like a that's like Christmas, just getting that package with all that stuff. It cool. is. It is a nice moment. <laughs> yeah. And then what well, I'm definitely going to have to talk to you because I need to learn more about this. But when you're not doing comics, you're also drawing fantasy illustrations and tabletop RPG characters as well. Uh, and I've seen a few of these on your uh, Twitter as well. So I need to I need to talk to you about this. So, yeah, we're yes. here to have a conversation. Uh, let's get into it. So I'm going to start with the, the colorist thing because it's an interesting process for me in particular, I think one that might not be as obvious for everyone who might be into comics or even wanting to work in comics. So for us, we have, we're a small team, so we're definitely not DC or anything, but uh, maybe one day. So we have... Definitely one day. 
yeah, we're just like counting down the days till we get that <laughs> uh, that that size. So we have myself, I write, and we have our illustrator, Penali. And Penali, what I've since come to learn, does many roles. One of those roles is colorist. So can you explain uh, when you're working with people like DC and uh, Image Comics and uh, Legendary Comics, like what does the colorist role do? Like what do you actually do? Yes, definitely. So basically, if you think about when you go to a convention or on Twitter and you follow a comic artist, generally called comic artist, who's probably yeah. a penciler or some are inkers. But basically, when you see their artwork, it's just this beautiful white page with some amazing drawings on it, right? So when you yeah. see an original in a collector or a table at a convention or on Twitter, it's generally a black and white drawing. And the same happens if you draw digitally. You have a beautiful digital file that is a page with some drawings. And uh, what a colorist does is take that black and white line art, so just just the pencil, just the, the brush or whatever, just the black lines to make it as easy as possible. And the penciler takes that and puts all the color that you see in it which uh, leads then to the final results that you see on a printed page or on a digital page if it's a webcomic. Not every uh, series has a colorist because some pencilers uh, also color their own work. Uh, this used yeah, to be so someone can do multiple. Yeah, exactly. It's it's much more common in the European market, uh, like French comics. Uh, because it generally is uh, like an author that does the whole thing. But that's also because it generally is a book uh, or a series of books that is created in a long period of time. So it's usually an artist that either writes a story or, drive, uh, or draws a story fully on their own. And it takes them a year, year and a half, two years, because they have all the time that maybe they want or that they have agreed with a publisher to create the book. When it comes to the uh, UK and US market, with like the DC Titan Comics and all of this, uh, as we well know, generally we have monthly releases. And so that means that a 20 to 22, sometimes 24 page comic needs to be done within that month span, uh, which means that, as you can imagine, and as the people who draw know, drawing a comic page takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, and coloring a page also takes a little bit of time and then lettering so putting the text and the balloons and all the written parts of a comic also takes some time and that is why usually uh, it's not just one person in this industry in the kind of like monthlies industry uh, that it's usually there there is a penciler sometimes there is an inker which is the person who takes the pencils and then just draws the goes puts the ink which could be both traditional and digital so actually someone that has an inking tool of some sort and which could be kind of like a pen or could be a brush uh, or also someone who does it digitally so you get a kind of like a sketchy line art and then they clean it and make sure that it's all clean and precise and crisp and then they send it to another person who like me colors it and then it goes to the person who puts the balloons and the words and then it just gets uh, all kind of like edited together and printed and delivered to you. <laughs> so it's like a, I guess, a question of time then, like splitting it out so that yeah. you can work on multiple stages. I guess, not quite at once because someone's still got to do one part and then pass it on to the next yeah. part. Yeah, 
Exactly. It's it's um it's two things. It's one, it's a time thing, and two, it's also a kind of like a skill set thing. Because uh, you know, it'd be amazing if we were all you know able to draw our own comics and color them and do such and such. But for me, for example, I really love coloring comics and I really like drawing illustrations, but I don't like drawing comics. I would not. Oh, really? You you specifically don't like drawing comics? Yeah, I don't. It's a it's a different type of skill set from drawing an illustration or from coloring. So there is all the storytelling and pers- perspective, anatomy, all the things that kind of work together mm. uh, into making a comic page. So for me, I love comics. I love reading comics. I love drawing comics, uh, coloring comics. But I would not color uh, draw them because it's not really something that I feel uh, compelled. I prefer uh, painting and illustration uh, or something like that have you ever had your own comic at one stage oh uh, when i was like early teens and okay. i was getting into my kind of like i really really liked comics is when i like i was already when i was about 12 13 is when i was started well i used to i've been like reading kind of like mickey mouse since i was tiny oh, yeah. little baby Who hasn't? uh but <laughs> when i was yeah exactly when i was between the ages of like 11 and 13 they went when i started like really liking comics in a wider kind of like spectrum so i yeah. read more of the comic than my parents at home and we would go to conventions and i would buy cute little Wait, comics to conventions with your parents yes I, cool. I i was very lucky um but my cool. parents are very artsy and so and so everyone read Mickey Mouse. So at the time when I started, we would all go to the convention and I would like look for not particularly like rare editions because I was not I was too young to understand that either. But I was kind of like looked for the ones that had a really cool cover and I really liked yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like literally ju- judging books by their cover. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> so like, oh, this drawing of Donald Duck is so cute. I'm going to get this one. Or like, uh, oh, this goofy story seems fun. So I'll get yeah. this one. And so from there, it kind of like started evolving to, I started going to Luca Comics and Games, which is Italy's, I'm from Italy, by the way, Italy's big in, uh, biggest comic convention. And there kind of like started seeing more and more. And so I started, oh yeah, around... 12 13 14 i started reading different comics and and i was like oh yes this is incredible and with my best friends uh, my best friend who also drew and so the two i was kind of like yes let's make our own story about this and that and just kind of like you drew a page and then another page that from a completely different scene with like 16 panels and (laughs) (laughs) it was just like that there was another pseudo attempt in high school and lots of ideas of stories and comics, but I never really went more than uh, I wrote. I, I drew a, a short story once in six pages, but that's kind of the extent of my comic drawing. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I did something. So I, I don't draw now. I, I can't draw. But when I was younger, I used to draw quite a lot. Um, I was never like great or anything, but I, I enjoyed drawing. And I remember I'd get a, I came up with some ideas around... It's kind of like a mix between uh, like Power Rangers and um, I think like Voltron. It was, I wish, because I'm terrible at keeping things. So I don't think I have this, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I, now I'm talking about it, I'm going to have to see if it's somewhere in the house. But a hidden treasure somewhere. Yeah, it's like, so it was like a team and it would come together and, you know, the whole kind of, you know, the defeat bad guys and that kind of thing. Um, and then I got a computer and then I just went a different path and I did like engineering and that. 
so then like me doing comics now is kind of like a full circle thing yes even though i don't draw someone else draws but uh, creating characters creating you're stories. still telling a story yeah yeah and yeah it's interesting that you like you you knew we know that you don't like the creating the comics like drawing the comics part but the different stages around it that is um that's cool it's good you know like that particular skill that you've got because obviously it's, it's working for you i mean i know the last time uh, we spoke you mentioned i think you had just got a gig doing a batman comic yeah i think that was when i started justice league yeah so you got the justice league how's that going how's that been Ah, it was good. So uh, the the it was a, a seven issue series. It's Justice League Last Ride with uh, Chip Zdarsky, uh, who's who many comic lovers might know, and Miguel Mendoza on the pencils. And it was great. Uh, I was my I was incredibly excited. Yeah, I was just saying because it was my it was my first time coloring Batman or having anything to do with Batman. Mm. Um, before that, I had done. Um, my very first gig for DC was a Harley Quinn story uh, for a Harley Quinn um, black, white, and red, the kind of like monochromatic and red uh, anthology yeah. that came out. And that was another full circle moment because the very first comic, the very first DC comic that I bought was a Harley Quinn comic. So oh, okay. when I got that, uh, it, was, it was great. And then... Uh, I did another couple short stories. I did an Aquaman eight-pager and then a Super Pets uh, one. And then they they offered me. Uh, it was very fun the the Super Pets one. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then yeah, they offered me Justice League, and uh, that was great because uh, I I grew up with a like full size Batman cutout. In my room that my mom made me because I was obsessed with the Batman cartoon. Wait, your mom made it? Yeah, she kind of like made like a kind of like a, a movie or like a cartoon release kind of yeah, like yeah. cardboard thing of oh, Batman. Wow. Your parents get cooler and cooler by the, by the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, they are. And I loved it and I, I just adored it. So when I uh, I was very excited to be working on Justice League, but when I got my first, I got the inks of the first page in which Batman shows up. And I was, I was just so excited when I saw that. And I actually feel feel bad because I haven't put it up yet. But Miguel was incredibly amazing, and he sent me that page because uh, I told him I want to buy that page because that has to be like I need I need my first ever Batman page <laughs> somewhere in my studio. And uh, so I have that, and it's just and it's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, really cool. that that went great. And yeah, I've been working regularly with dc ever since yeah and is it because that sounds like a almost like a dream job dream gig is is that something where the the reality of it matches the expectations is it it different yeah it was great it was it was it was uh, it was very interesting because um so uh, growing up in italy like i never studied to be a colorist or a comics person i studied languages so kind of like doing professional art stuff was kind of a thing that happened and I took a chance and it worked. <laughs> so that that was good. <laughs> but I I never really you know you have kind of like the goals and then you have the goals that you're not really registering. 
because they're so far away. Yeah, yeah, the ones you don't want to speak because they're, sound they're, silly. That you're kind of like, you know, I, I'm not going to work for DC. Not because yeah. I'm not good. It's just because... <laughs> it sounds crazy. DC comics. <laughs> and it, I've always... Uh, I had always had this impression from talking to people about conventions like and reviews and things like that. It, most comic conventions, like, or like New York Comic Con, which is happening, I think, this weekend, by the way. Uh, or this week or something. This month. This month, yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't scare me. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh, and you I knew you're coming on. You you can go for a Marvel review if you're lucky enough to be selected. Blah 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 blah. But there's no DC Comics review. Oh, okay. uh, in general, you don't go. You don't get a DC editor to review your stuff, give you feedback. It's it's not how it works. So I've always been of the idea that like when you're very famous, then maybe DC Comics will, will reach out. But like first, you have to have worked with this and this and this and that, and yeah, you know, step, be a, a big process. name. And then uh, I I worked hard. I uh, networking is very important for everyone who wants to get into comics. It's just like be good working, be nice to the people you work with, and just work hard. And that is what what counts. Yeah. And so I apparently I I did that correctly. <laughs> you did it and yeah, and I, I I was working through a, a long story ages ago. I sent my portfolio, my very first or one of my very first coloring portfolios. So it was about six years ago when I started doing color coloring professionally. I sent my portfolio on DeviantArt forum for oh, someone yeah. who was looking for a colorist for a project. Um, they didn't end up choosing me, but about a year after, I got an email from the same person saying, Hi, you applied for this gig a year ago. We have this other thing coming up, and we liked your stuff, and we think you could be a good a good choice for this one. So I did some, uh, some test pages for them, and then we ended up started working together, and uh, a project called Temerity, uh, with uh, Gemma uh, Young and Chad Harding. And Chad Harding is a big like big name for DC he's worked on a lot of DC stuff and and basically after a year and a half of working together on this other project he was working on the Harley Quinn book and they didn't really have a, a colorist uh the editor didn't have a suggestion in particular and they asked Chad like who do you, you know do you have because it's something that happens quite a lot when there's a new project uh, yeah, the editor will ask someone? maybe do you know someone who you like working with, or that you think would be a good match for this project? And he and he gave them my, my name, and so that's how I got the Harley Quinn gig. And we worked really well together. And the Super Pets was again with Chad, so said, you know, I have. Can we keep on working with this colorist for the next thing? And they really like working with me. I uh, the 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 editors were amazing, and yeah, it's been it's been a great experience since, and I definitely living up to the expectations that i didn't really have because i thought yeah. this was kind of like oh yes to see. yeah that is really cool that's a uh, yeah cool story to how you got in there and like you say the networking is really important because i mean obviously you, you need to be good at what you do and, and you're good at what you do but then if you think about it and like for people who might be just starting or you know just thinking about it is like there's a lot of people who can do what you can do uh, obviously varying degrees and everything then it's about how do you work with people because you know when when that question goes out it's like do you know someone people aren't going to go oh this person who i hated working with 
for whatever reason. Let's get them back in. Then they're gonna go. Oh, I liked working with Erin. Let's, let's yeah, do that again. A nice formula that uh, a good friend of mine told me once, and I perfectly agree with it. When you work in comics, there's three fundamental skills. Being good, being fast, and being nice. You need to have two of those, at least. (laughs) Whichever combination, if you have all three of them, that's incredible. But you need a combination of any two of those. You can be quick and, and, and nice. You can be fast and, uh, and, and good. You can be very good. And, but if you're just very good and you're always late and you're not very nice or like if you're, if you're very nice but you're always late and your work's a bit sloppy, uh, it might be a bit more difficult. Yeah, that's a good formula. Good formula to remember. So... Uh, so you've got the right combination and you got to uh, DC, so, like yeah. you mentioned, you worked on uh, Doctor Who as well. Yes. So you said like, you know, once upon a time, you thought, you know, only like certain famous people can work in that position. Uh, are you famous? Are you famous now? I, I, I wouldn't I call myself before, famous. Before you answer, I asked that because as I put my notes together and I um, put in your name, uh, Google also completed your name. So in oh. my mind, that means cool. you are famous because Google knows who you are. I it's guess good. I'm famous because my name is on a published book. And yeah. uh, so <laughs> to some extent, possibly, I would I would definitely say, like, if I went to New York Comic Con and you had, like, a name, like a list of 15 names yeah. and you had, like, I don't know, uh, Olivier Coppel and, I don't know, uh, uh, Dave Stewart as a colorist, yeah. you know, you know, people who say people who are interested in comics and know what coloring is, because that's also an, a different thing. You know, you might be very much into comics, but you might not really understand what coloring is about. So that might lead you to not kind of like check the colorist or like understand or register that the colorist is a part of the team. Yeah. And so for someone who likes coloring or is interested in comics, you know, they read Dave Stewart and it's like, wow, Dave Stewart you know, help boy, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, but if you see my name, is still, it's still uh, probably not the first thing you, <laughs> you think of, but you're working on it. That's, yeah, that's yeah, how it time. works. In time. So, all right. So, yeah, in time, you'll be like, uh, yeah, you'll be that, that name and uh, at a comic convention. And, and uh, I mean, speaking of comic conventions, uh, I know, I think the last time I saw you in person was at a comic convention, Thought Bubble. Yeah. Which is yeah, I think yeah, so. A long while ago, and I know you've got a another year of flu, bar. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always scary how that how that happens. But got well a couple months left of this year, uh, and then you're going to be at the London Comic Con. So yes. it's your first London Comic Con, right? Yes, it's MCM London, and it's my first time at any MCM London uh, oh, okay. event. I think they do a, a Birmingham one, but I've never yes. been to that one either. Uh, but oh, yeah, but in, I've heard even as a visitor. Yeah, I've never oh. attended in any shape or form oh, wow. this convention. Okay. How's that possible? How have they not got you? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I think COVID had something to do. With it. Oh yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, because uh, um, uh, I I've heard many very good things about this convention. Uh, I heard it's very fun. It's very good in general as a convention. And then uh, I have asked a few friends uh, who have tabled there. In previous editions, and they've said it was a very good time. So uh, I sent my application. I think it was back in spring 
or something like that. It takes a bit. If, if you're interested in applying for conventions, remember that usually it's quite a fair time before yeah, the convention. So check yeah. your schedules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Times fly. Time flies. Uh, but yeah, so I I, I got my table. I'm very excited. And it's on the 28th to the 30th of October at uh, Excel London. So. All right. That's cool. So then you're going to be uh, in a comic village or it's Artist Alley? Yeah, I'm it's Artist Alley. I'll be at Table F23. I remember that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that I hadn't checked because I yeah didn't write it down on any of my things here. But yeah, yeah. F23, Artist Alley. If for some reason I got the number wrong, it's, it just I <laughs> think there should be a list of names and I'm just look for Eden Angelini and you'll, you'll yeah. find me. <laughs> Uh, you, you, know, you just walk around that place as well. Yeah, uh, I don't it. go for by with like a different name for my table, so it's that's, yeah. <laughs> it's that one. <laughs> that's cool. So, how are you feeling about like the first MCM comic? Because it's a different like the thing uh, for me with MCM is somewhere like Thought Bubble is a is a smaller convention, but it's a I guess more intimate. You get to talk to people, you get to talk to more yeah. of the creators. And MCM is just massive. At least for UK, it's like the biggest one in the UK. So you just get you get scale, so you get just a ton of people coming by. So it's a different feel. But yeah, how are you? Uh, how are you thinking? I'm excited. I'm very excited. I am slightly nervous because of that. You know, when when you the the first time at a convention that you've not attended either, uh, it's kind of like I hope I'm bringing the 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 right stuff or that I'm a right match for the audience of the convention. Is always a little bit of unknown. Uh, but I'm very excited because the, the the only other bigger. Because uh, as you were saying, we met, at, we, we've seen each other at Thought Bubble, and Thought Bubble is, uh, I will also be there again this year, 12th okay, and too. 13th of so November. Awesome. Uh, but as you were saying, that is kind of like more con- controlled uh, environment. Not enough control. Like it's, it's <laughs> yes. a smaller, it's a smaller uh, universe, and it was just like creators, and there's no big merchandise or anything like that. It's kind of like to go to talk to the the humans behind the 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 comics or the illustrations kind of like what you're doing here but at a convention scale but it's it's very nice it's it's smallish um especially compared to a lot of other conventions in the in the industry and the only other well i've been to what was it called my very first convention here in the uk was london super comic con i think it was called but it was kind of like back in 2017 yeah, uh, something like that. And then in 2018, I I was uh, I was tabling as a guest at London Female Comic Con. Right. And that's when I think, yeah, that that was the kind of like it's the other like bigger event with like TV actors and like merch and all that stuff. So that's the only other like kind of like bigger scale uh, thing that I've done uh, in the UK. I've been to. Uh, New York Comic Con, but I was not tabling there. I've been as a guest twice, and oh, nice! How was that? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was great. I I really I really liked uh, New York Comic Con, especially coming from an Italian reality where kind of like Luca Comics is this very very big convention, but it's it's so big that it's throughout an entire city. So there's kind of like lots of um, sections and like buildings that you go into and you see this thing, and then you go into another building. 
There's lots of walking and lots of shifting to a place from one place to another. And I started going there when yeah, when I was about 12, 13, and I went 17 years in a row. Oh, uh, so I, I went there the first time when it was still in a convention hall. And then it was in two of the buildings of the convention hall. And then it was in the two buildings in a little stadium. And they and then they exploded it in the town. So that I kind of so like seen it grow. Yeah, and now it's kind of like it's a it's a it's a small like the center of Luca. Uh, it's kind of like the encircled by the walls, and from one wall, like from one side to the other side of the city, it doesn't take a lot. Probably twenty-five minute walking. Uh, during the convention, it can take you up to an hour to get from one side to the other, or even wow. more, because it's just a sea of people, and so that kind of like became. Uh, it, it's amazing because it's incredible to watch, but it became a lot to <laughs> attend and go. And also became very pricey during the years. So actually, right. New York Comic Con was great because not only uh, it's big, but it's it's kind of like very organized. So the like merch is here and then food stuff is all in one corner. And then if you want the artist style is absolutely incredible. And you go there and you see, you see all those names, the names, yeah. you know, that at least the 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, they're, they're there, there. They're and they're there. in front of you, and they will probably talk to you if you say hi. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I remember the very first time I was there, I was, I think, yeah, 2017, something like that, um, was when uh, we launched my very first, like, my very first comic series, uh, like a long run, was uh, Titan Comics Warhammer. And we, I was a guest because we were like, it was launching exactly in that period. Uh, so Titan Comic, uh, we did a panel with them uh, for the release of the, the oh, comic. Wow. So, so you've done a panel at New York Comic Con? Yes. That's I've done good. one, two. Okay. Two panels, I think, on New York Comic Con. One there and then a Doctor Who one last time I went, which was, I yeah. think, 2019. Wow. Okay. And, yeah, it's it's something. Yes. <laughs> it's something. That's, that's quite a credential. The, <laughs> yeah, the Warhammer one was on the main stage. So it was kind of like at the center of this big area with lots of people sitting in front of you. But it's, it's, uh, it's amazing because I think from both a fan and also a creator point, because as a fan, you get to see so many people that you like and admire and honestly as a creator i also have the fun part of me is quite yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. quite strong yeah you're still, yeah, you're still a fan so yeah i got to meet some of my favorite artists and everyone was so lovely and there was this 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 thing that kind of lacks in the italian comic conventions that it's kind of when there's artists or like people like famous people that you go to meet it's always kind of like cold-ish which is kind of very counterintuitive because you know italians were like hey <laughs> and it's true that's, that's right <laughs> <laughs> and but when it comes to that type of thing it's always kind of we still have that idea that the the great creator oh with like oh I'll before the career i will not talk i will not take up your time and yeah. i'll get my signature and go away <laughs> and whilst in new york comic con i you know i was i went to terry dodson who's one of my favorite artists and i was a huge fan and he saw that i had my portfolio with me and it was just like, are you, are you a comic artist? I said, I'm a colorist. And he said, oh, show me your stuff. <laughs> mm. I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot, yeah. 
<laughs> and everyone was so nice. And like, I went to a few other people and like, kind of asked for a review. Of course, you can also go to editors and publishers and, and try like, um, to land some gigs and things like that. But like creators, even big names are just so interested to talk to people and just very nice. It's, I've, I've, I have, I'm sorry, I'm sure someone's had a very bad experience at some point with someone no, who was rude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that happens all the time. But generally speaking, I find that generally just speaking, people, right? Yeah, I've had this experience in New York Comic Con and at many other like kind of like bigger conventions like that, you know, uh, international space. And this is something that a lot of other, like also other friends uh, that came with me or like who have been there or other locations, it's kind of like that, that shock of like, not only you're seeing someone that you maybe really admire or like has influenced your work so much, but you can talk to them, you can show them your work and you can get constructive criticism and feedback. And that's, that's, that's invaluable, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you find that, like you say, we kind of, we, we hold people in esteem and I mean, you know, in certain cases, rightfully so, because if you admire someone's work and they are producing good work and you want to you admire that, but then, it can sometimes make you forget that there are people like yeah. they, they eat and sleep just like uh, everyone else. And, and if you talk to them, they may just talk back. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. I remember like, actually this was at Thought Bubble. I've, uh, I've mentioned this on one of our streams before, but uh, I met the one half of Run DMC, uh, DMC, because he had a comic at Thought Bubble. But I was just like wandering around and I just saw him like, that. that's DMC. Like, let me just go. <laughs> And talk to him and we were just like talking he's saying like oh yeah i've always been into comics even before music and um, he had a comic that he had at the show but yeah it's just it's a person and i think that's really like one of the the reasons for doing this show is trying to get to the the people who are uh behind the art because you have and sometimes i'm definitely guilty of this uh and just aware that you'll you'll read something or you'll watch something or you play something and there's a lot of people that, that worked on on that thing. So if it's a game, if it's a book, TV show. And you don't always take note of like, oh, who are the people that worked on this? So you will sometimes get the big name, like the director or the main, uh, the main person involved. But yeah, it's good to know that there are people behind this and they, they are human people. Uh, yeah, like absolutely. And, you know, that it takes some time to, uh, to understand it. I remember when uh, I was in high school and I was reading... Avengers Ultimate and I loved it and it was one of the that's like one of the comics in particular one of the like seasons of it was drawn by uh Joe Madureira who was like I was like oh my gosh that's so cool I love it and then I just loved the art and then ages after when I was starting to get into coloring I realized that sure he was drawing it but someone else was coloring it so like that that beautiful coloring that i loved was a, an addition to the beautiful pencils that i was also yeah. loving but it was not all done by him and you know it's so it's it's not like everyone is just born with this with this knowledge it's perfectly fine to not understand that i don't know but it's yeah it's kind of like when you get into it more and you understand like what a big universe to this and at conventions like yeah thought bubble uh which absolutely highly recommended uh especially for that kind of like human uh interaction uh and and your comic con and things like that you really get to see uh how wide this universe is but also how approachable and how 
human can be. And yeah, as you were saying, uh, we're all we're all made of flesh. <laughs> we all <laughs> eat and, and need some sleep and all that. <laughs> Yeah, just like verify that uh, for people. Um, you're also making me want to, I mean, I wanted to travel more. Anyway, actually, I'm going to Malta. I'm going to Malta Comic Con. Oh, nice. That is That so, was my very first convention. The very uh, first convention yeah. that invited me was Malta Comic Con. It's very cute. It's very fun. People are very welcoming. It's a very familiar type of uh, convention. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, yeah, it was 2016 or 2017, something like that. So it's been some time since then. Uh, but I've, I've, I had heard good things about how friendly and lovely everyone was, and I'm sure that still the same case. Yeah, no, I've been twice before, and it's very, I mean, it's it's nice to, because they pick you up at the airport, and they, they go at the airport. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> the first time was like, oh, you're, you're Nigel. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. They actually get you in the, yeah, in the car, take you back to the hotel. Just for that alone, I'm like, yeah, that's a good that's a good treatment. I can get used to this. <laughs> it's nice. It, it's it's not always like that. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I enjoyed it when when it did happen. Well, so yeah, looking forward to that. So I'm not at Comic Con, London Comic Con, but Tati's going to be there because we're, oh, we're doing nice. a panel, or she's doing a panel, and then I'll be at in Mortal. But then yeah, uh, I'll be at Thought Bubble. So next year, uh, I would like to go to more out of UK conventions but obviously we're, we now live in a world where travel becomes more of a hassle so we'll see how that goes and yeah yeah i would also like to 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 move a bit more but it depends on uh, travel safety and also you know uh, schedule <laughs> and yeah yeah because so, yeah, time wow and so i mean you, you talked about like with the the colors role and not everyone knowing about the role of the people behind it what do you wish more people knew about your specific role in comics? Like, are there misconceptions around it? I think that uh, one issue that we tend to run a lot into as colorists is uh, there's two things that I know plague our like colleagues and and, and myself, and that's uh, when reviewers or like people in general talk about the art of the comics as something that the penciler has done. So I don't know this this I don't know let's say there is Mark oh Mark did such a great job on the art of this book and it's just like Mark didn't do the art <laughs> of the book you know Mark maybe drew and inked his beautiful pages and he should get all the praise in the world for the beautiful pages that he drew but Mark didn't color those pages and sometimes and I understand that this is very difficult to visualize uh, but if you see a page in black and white and you see the color, the difference can be the difference can be so striking. Uh, like there's so much that goes into coloring the page and giving you. Maybe you see a page and yes, the the storytelling of the of the pencils and of course the script is beautiful. But that kind of like that maybe the the red tints or like the beautiful sunset light or like the very creepy uh, atmosphere that you see something that comes from the colors just like if you see a beautiful movie and you take the same movie and you make it black and white some of that like if you watch i don't know blade runner in black and white you know that kind of like smoky foggy but neon color kind of exactly all of that yeah you know it's still very beautiful the acting is still great the 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 filmography is still beautiful 
but it kind of loses a little bit of that uh, atmosphere, that oomph that kind of like probably uh, makes one of the things that makes Blade Runner so iconic. It applies to a comic. And so that's kind of like one of the things that's kind of, it's very difficult to explain uh, because it's not discussed much. And and so they're kind of like, oh, this book is, this, this story is amazing and the art is great. And the art is Nemo the Penciler. <laughs> and that's a bit tough. And the other thing is, um, so most colorists, when they work on a monthly issue, uh, or because we tend to color probably one, two, three, four, sometimes five projects at the same time. Wow. Um, so it depends on the comics uh, and the colorists. At the moment, I'm working on three projects at the same time. There was a time in which I was doing four. Sometimes I'm doing one. It depends on, on, on your your schedule, your 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 availability, your your speed, and all of that. There is a thing that's called flatting or flats, and that is when someone takes the all the skies and makes them all blue, and all the trees and the leaves makes them all green. And then Superman's cape, you know, you put the color of the cape and the color of the suit makes it all blue and make the yellow sign and all of that. And that is called flatting. It's just kind of like putting the base color of the comic. And it is a technical quick or quick-ish, depending on how complex the pages are. Uh, it's a technical thing, but that doesn't like... I, some flatters use realistic colors, so like normal skin tone yep. and the normal blue for superman suit and the normal yellow and all of that other just flat it with like bright blue bright pink or another color just so that every single color is different every single element is different so when a colorist needs to actually choose the colors it's easy to select so it's a very technical oh, okay so that's the, even before your stage yes exactly right. it's a mechanical fill in all the blues fill in all the whites fill in all the greens and make sure that if I need to color Superman, I can select Superman quickly without having to go and, you know, kind of like yeah. cut out with the scissors everything so that everything is nice and clean and ready for me to just color and do the sunrise and do the atmosphere and all the shadows and all the things. And I love crediting my flatters because they do a job that for me, it saves me a lot of time because it takes probably between one hour, maybe you know, like it depends on how difficult the page is, but at least one hour if not more, to flat a page, uh, which means that for me, coloring takes between an hour and a half to four hours a page, depending on the complexity of the book. So if to that you add one to two hours of flatting, that takes me six hours to do a page. Yeah. So I'm very happy to pay someone else, an assistant, yeah, yeah. a flatter <laughs> to do that for me. And the issue is that I'm very happy to credit my flatters because they do a very good job. But then in the reviews that actually mention coloring, maybe the flatters get credit for the coloring or like they credit both for the coloring. I think it's there's just a lot of misunderstanding about what a colorist is. Yeah. And some reviewers process. have not been, yeah, have not been very like some. I've had people say, well, someone some time ago was like, I dare all the colorists all of the colorists to credit their flatters in comic credits. And it's just like, there's two things. One, if we credit them, then you should not credit my coloring to them. You should credit the flatting, sure. which you cannot see because a flatted page is completely different from the, yeah, you yeah. cannot derive <laughs> the work. And the second thing was that uh, most of the times the flatter is hired by the colorist. So it's an ex like I pay someone to be an assistant. It's not DC. So they so will not normal. put... 
higher. It's not part of the, the like DC higher. It's so no, you're making it's, your it's process the, it's easier. No, the, it's the creator, the penciler, the, like the, it's right. the artist themselves who hires the person. So DC will not put the name of the person in the credits simply because they, they do not contract them. Yeah. <laughs> so I cannot tell them to put the name. Sure. Uh, some people, uh, some editors, some publishers do. Uh, some for Titan Comics. That I used to be able to credit my flatter, I think legendary comics, uh, let me uh, credit my flatters and things like that. But not everyone can do it. So there's kind of like right. this assumption that it's like we're trying to hide something or oh, that. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, not, yeah. just, it's not really up to us. It's one of those things where I've seen this a lot in video games where people who don't, who one, don't do the thing but feel they know more than the people who actually uh, do the thing. It's a funny, it's a funny phenomenon. I've seen this yeah. more and more video games where people Yeah, unfortunately, that's, uh, they overlap this type yeah. of mentality. It's something yes. that overlaps throughout kind of like the entertainment yeah, uh, industries <laughs> in general. <laughs> I've seen this. It, uh, it makes me laugh. It makes me a bit sad <laughs> sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's um, no. Okay, that's because I didn't, I didn't have that appreciation either so i feel like i i learned something uh, as well about the process and so i mean in terms of your like your process but then your inspiration almost because i guess even though you you don't necessarily so you're not drawing the comic so maybe you're not doing all that the story structure and everything and that's that's been done by the time it gets to you do you still get inspired by other works like TV shows or, or other comics? Oh, yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I've always been very passionate about movies and TV shows. I've done photography and video making for a lot of time before I got into coloring. But in general, like uh, even just from from comics themselves, there are some people who like influenced my work a lot or like some early work. Then one of the first comics that I got into when I started buying my own comics uh, was Skydal, that is a uh, comic, it's a graphic novel series that if you're interested you can find, I think uh, Titan actually published it and it's a, a sci-fi dystopian future, it's it's uh, it's a mature in the sense that it discussed, like talks about uh, religion in very hard terms and uh, sex trafficking and uh, and in general, uh, the use of bodies and how they are kind of yeah, it's 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 a bit mature, so it might not be for everyone, uh, but it's not like erotic or anything like that. And sure. but the use it's by two uh, artists that I love, uh, Barbara Caneva and Alessandro Barbucci, who are two Italian artists, and the artwork is just beautiful. And I remember falling in love with it and the coloring. And it's very painterly. It's full color. It's incredible. It's uh, uh, some scenes of it are just hypnotic. Like you can stare at them and get kind of like get yeah, lost like in that. the panels. And that has been one of my very first influences when it comes to coloring and also illustration. Uh, I think it's one of the things that made me fall in love with coloring. Because uh, I, when I was in middle school, I didn't like coloring. <laughs> Wanted to draw, oh and then I colored things because I had to to complete the thing. Oh, and, that's then, funny. and then, <laughs> yeah, then no, it's complete opposite. And that was one of the first things. But then there is so many. Well, as we mentioned, uh, Dave Stewart uh, and, and so many. Tambra Bonvillain is doing some amazing work at the, the moment. And uh, Hollingsworth was another colorist that I fell in love with reading uh, Marvel comics. There is so much, and but yeah movies and tv shows uh 
traditional painting or in general illustration. There are so many. Maybe I see a beautiful illustration. I think, oh, wow, this palette is really interesting. Or I like how they used the specific color here. And then, then maybe that can uh, come back to me in a scene that I'm coloring. Or when I start a new project, I usually like take a bunch of my comics from the bookshelf that I think have kind of like vibes that I like and I reread them or I look through them and I think oh, maybe something like a bit more abstract like this or like something more neon like this one or maybe a combination of this and that so yeah absolutely it's kind of like when you're drawing and some things spark that kind of like the idea or that movement in your mind that's like oh yes yeah. I'd like to follow this path and it's yeah, just the same with coloring put your put your spin on this while I was, I was uh, I've been doing a bunch of workshops uh, over the past week or just in general this this year but trying to get across to young people where i remember there's one conversation where someone brought up like oh this thing has been done before and then you have that conversation with like yeah everything's been done before <laughs> to a certain extent but it's about how can you like combine or put your own spin on something so yeah. getting them to understand that you can be influenced and inspired by things but obviously yeah. like out and out copy something so trying to get that that balance to a young age and it's how you that. view the thing through your eyes. That's that's what yeah, makes it interesting. Exactly. Like people's perception, interpretation is the word I'm uh, looking for, like your interpretation of it. Um, and then, like, I mean, when you're not doing comics, I mentioned in the intro, you're, you're designing characters for tabletop RPGs. Now, I've seen, because I, I see a lot of your work like pop up on Twitter. It looks really cool. And I've noticed it's quite diverse is the word I use of quite mm -hmm. like different characters that I might not assume are in <laughs> tabletop rpgs i'm i'm still i still need to get into like dungeons and dragons i know it's one form of game but yeah when did you start doing that and is that like your is that like your outlet because i guess when you're working on like dc and existing properties there's quite a strict yeah box to, to guidelines to follow is this like your way of just you know i can do whatever i want I think that, that that sums it up pretty well, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I fell in love with role-playing games when I was uh, in my, like, 15, 16. I was, like, on forums and doing lots of, like, play-by-forum RPG, and then I did lots of uh, live-action, like, LARP. Uh, okay. So I used to dress up and go hit people yeah. with plastic swords. Uh, but it was more, I was a theater kid, so it was more, we had a, a small, very selective group, and it was more about like the acting and the stories, and then also about the, you know, cool costumes and swords and things like that. But it was more about like the interaction, and I played uh, lots of Dungeons and Dragons and other similar tabletop playing games. And then I stopped throughout like university, and I haven't actually started playing again. I haven't played in ages. But I've been uh, really appreciating the kind of like rise in popularity of popularity of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and similar TTRPGs in the last few years, uh, thanks to the very well known yeah. things like Stranger <laughs> Things and Critical Role and things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I was kind of like, oh yes, that thing that I really liked, and it kind of always worked. And it worked really well with my passion for just I, I really like fantasy as a genre. I like it drawing elves and like fantastical creatures and like beautiful colorful uh, atmospheres and, and and things like that so i was just like okay i love character design it's something that if i hadn't done gone into comics as more of my full-time thing i would have probably tried to go into uh, more of a character design and concept art um yeah i could see that <laughs> and so i was like you know i really like drawing characters and I like designs, and I like fantasy, and I like Dungeons and Dragons. 
or similar fantasy settings of games. So how can I do that all together in one? And so I I do commissions at the time. I am not available because I'm finishing the things on the waiting list because, as you said, uh, comics is the full time. So (laughs) this is my outlet. So there are some months in which I can produce a lot of commissions and things like that. And other months, actually several months, like three months in a row, can't touch any of it because I just have too many deadlines and contract work has priority, of course. But then also about a year ago, uh, I started my uh, Patreon and that's my, it's called my Art Venturing Guild. And I do monthly packages of uh, character art uh, portraits because I know that there's a lot of people who like art and beautiful, high quality art, but can't afford it. And so... There is a lot of issues with people using art without permission and creating a lot of things and problems with that. That's a whole huge conversation. So I thought what would be cool and uh, let me draw cool characters, interesting, diverse, beautiful things, and also gives people stuff to play with without having to spend a huge amount of money. So basically every like month... Yeah, exactly. I, it's uh, For those who don't know what it is, Patreon is, is a subscription-based platform in which you can support financially uh, the people that you like, artists, musicians, whatever kind of uh, writers, and any type of craft. And in exchange, you usually get some goodies, which could be songs, access to videos. And in my case, you get uh, drawings of characters that you can use in your TTRPGs. And so... With my patrons each month, which month they get to, they choose a theme and give me uh, ideas for characters that they would like to be in the package. I select 10 of those ideas and make them into actual characters so they can play in their home games with their friends as PCs, NPCs, whatever they want. They can use them as their little avatars and anything that they like. And at the end of the month, on October 25th, I am launching my shop for people who maybe are not into subscriptions and would just like to purchase a little package with all the things that you need. And the packages will actually have five exclusive um, uh, portraits in each package that are not available in the Patreon. So you also have a little extra thingy. And yeah, and you can use them in your games or in your streamed games for everyone who maybe streams a D&D campaign or some other forgotten realms or any other uh, fantasy game and you want some cool art check out my stuff <laughs> there we go all right when uh eventually because uh, tazzy also mentioned like uh D at some point maybe yeah we might have to come back to you on that um at some point in the future all right so we're almost out of time but before we finish i want to do a a quick fire or oh, we'll see how quick fire this is but a quick fire round Yes, I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, so this is a new thing that I'm trying because I make comics, so I, well, I don't draw by write, so I write stories. And sometimes it occurs to me like the similarities between like storytelling and creating characters, creating worlds uh, and life. <laughs> so we're all the protagonists in our own story. So as the protagonist of your story, what are your standout characteristics? Like what are you, what are you good at? I think I am kind of like, and I think I'm a cross between two uh, main categories. So, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Haikyuu, the anime oh, yeah, about volleyball. volleyball. Yeah, There's yeah. like the protagonist who's always like, yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> do this kind of like super motivational and inspirational okay. so in between that and kind of like the one who's like if you hurt my friends or like my <laughs> i will come for you <laughs> i'm just like i i want my friends to succeed and to do great and to so like i think i'm i'm in between from the the hype and the kind of okay. like more reasonable but i actually have to think about this and do this, yeah, and this yeah. and that. <laughs> so that that's my okay. I would probably be a good shonen character. Yeah, I can already see it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So then in our story, we have our protagonist, but then we also have, you know, an antagonist or forces of antagonism. So what do you think has been like your main challenge to get where you are and how did you overcome it? I think something that a lot of artists suffer from is imposter syndrome. So a lot oh, of yeah, us are well, kind of like, oh, I'm not good enough for this. And I this is this is where the supportive friend, but also very hard one comes out because I'm always telling my friends you know you should try this anyway because the worst thing that can happen is that they're gonna tell you no and you'll be fine you're not gonna be dead you know you know something nothing bad is gonna happen you just have to try and work hard and you'll have another chance so I think that imposter syndrome is always like there's that time of the the <laughs> there were several times during the year but those times in which maybe you're very stressed and you're very tired mm. and so things kind of like oh Maybe they, I'm not good enough, and maybe I'm not yeah. like so many other people can do better than me. So that's a big issue. And the other thing I think is just uh, I want to do so many things, and then I either don't have enough time <laughs> or I just consume myself a little bit. But I've learned, I've, I've, I've improved a lot in trying to not overcommit because I have to do this and that and that and that, and then just kind of like yeah. don't have energy. <laughs> I get that. That's also quite familiar. Um, <laughs> and then on this journey uh, in in story of life, the supporting characters. So who who are the biggest supporting characters on your journey? Well, I mean, as as you might have figured from my story, I think I, I'm very lucky to have a very supportive family that has been with me throughout. Uh, I did not study art, but when I decided that I wanted to do this, they were kind of like, sure, whatever it's you do, you we support you and. They've always given me encouragement, and that's great. I have a great, uh, great partner, my husband. We got married uh, just a few months ago, and he's yeah. uh, he's incredible. He comes to my conventions, and he's the best because he, he's very he's like my my salesperson, and he's wonderful. I, met him, and I saw him do his work. <laughs> yeah, he drives me to Thought Bubble, which is already a huge <laughs> demand. Uh, so he's he's incredible and then i am also very grateful for the good network of friends and colleagues it's something that i would recommend to anyone who uh wants to get into the art industry in whatever way uh is to cultivate uh, a network of not just colleagues and like people to get you jobs but just like people who share your passion and i i must say in the last few years from twitter and i i found so many illustrators and, and, and comic artists and a huge community of colorists and uh, recently a TTRPG community for people on Patreon, the TTRPG A Club, uh, which, by the way, we have a Halloween thing going on. Check my Twitter because you can get lots of TTRPG free goodies by lots of beautiful creators. And those communities have helped me a lot throughout uh hard times and have celebrated my successes during the good times and I've been there for their bad and good times and I think that helps a lot to remember as we were saying we're all humans and we all have struggles and it's good to know that we share those struggles but also the passions and the good things and the resources and 
the good moments are always, uh, you know, a nice way to remember that we're not all stuck at a desk forever alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is that's very true. Although I feel like I'm challenging that at the past uh, past couple of months, but generally speaking, yeah, <laughs> uh, not all stuck at a desk. So cool. Um, and my last question is like, you know, uh, when the story. Actually, I was going to say when the story ends, but that sounds kind of dark. But um, <laughs> I'm going to think of a different way to rephrase that in future. But uh, what does success look like for you? What's your What's your goal? Oh well, I I I just want to keep doing. It. <laughs> I think if I can keep doing this, and I would like to, you know, maybe one day I will be the name of the convention that people recognize. And but it's more of I think I just. I just really love doing this. That sometimes people ask me if you were to win the lottery, would you still do it? And I say yes. I would still. I would still color comics. I would still draw my fantasy characters. I would probably be more selective because I don't have to do it to pay my bills. And you do it from a big but, house, yeah, somewhere obviously. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> and I can take long holidays because that's the thing that you don't really get a lot of when you work in comics. A lot of holidays. Yes. And so you can kind of like, if if I could have the, like, you know, if you're sick and if you're tired and you can just take a break, that would be like being able to do this on my own pace and just create and for the projects that I love and care about with the people that I like a reasonable time scale, time schedule, <laughs> and not constantly all the time, every day and night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, that would be great. We might have the same goal, so <laughs> uh, yeah, let's keep it's a good goal that. to have. It's a good goal, it's a good goal. Um, also, I hear. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's it. That's all the time we have, Erin. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for answering my questions, letting us know a bit about your process, your background, and uh, yeah, just yeah. Thank you for spending the time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me again, but. Not again, but for the first time, but again. Yeah, the first uh, time yeah. on this again. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll, we'll get you back again at some point on something else. So uh, yes. um, I'll yeah. see you at Thought Bubble, and I hope I'll see people at MCM London at Thought Bubble as well. Yeah, so if you, you are there and you see this and you're there, come say hi. Yeah, uh, you know what Owen looks like, and there you go. You can face. match the name with the face. <laughs> so that has been another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. We will be back next month. I will be speaking to another uh, name somewhere in those comic credits, trying to showcase the human, the person behind the art form. So thank you everyone for joining us. If you're watching live or if you're watching later or listening to a podcast, we try and put this out as many places as we can. We make comics. You can check out our comics at myamada.com. We do, again, as I mentioned, I don't draw by right. We have a very talented artist on our team uh, who can draw because you do not want me to draw and try and sell. That's, yeah, that's a whole other other thing. But um, check that out. You can also check out the Story X Story podcast where we talk about stories across pop culture and have interviews with creative professionals uh, like Erin and like people in video games and cosplay. Uh, there's an episode where we talked about Avatar uh, still one of my favorites because that's yeah, a fantastic amazing. show. So you can go. So and, much fun. Yeah. Go and check that out. But otherwise, we will see you later on some platform. Uh, we're not hard to find. But if not, we'll catch you again for another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. My name is Nigel. And uh, yeah, take care, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>